Nobody likes a cheater. And if you've been watching the news lately, there's been a lot of them lately. From the world of poker to competitive fishing, it seems like every day there's a new scandal involving cheating. But when it comes to the world of the paranormal, we are forced to ask ourselves the question, is using magic or the law of attraction its own kind of cheating? Very, very interesting topic. And then we travel to Dyer Lane, a haunted road that I've personally been to and done on-the-ground ghost investigations at. But nothing could have ever prepared me to face down the witches that still haunt this road. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so first off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our legacy Patreons. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Amber. Woohoo! Yeah, Amber's walking on into Dead Rabbit Command. That sounded a little lecherous, sound like we were catcalling her. Amber's walking on in. Amber, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's totally fine. I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. Now, Amber, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. Let's go ahead and climb up the highest point at Dead Rabbit Command. Grab onto Amber's ankles. She's going to fly us all the way out to a video game competition place. Wherever that's at. I don't know if those are in arenas or something. Online competitive video games. It's a bunch of people sitting shoulder to shoulder on their computers. But it apparently, people are saying it's a real sport. It's a real sport because, like, you compete. You can jump in the tone of my voice. Listen, I love video games. I don't consider online competitive video games. It's, it's something. I don't know if I would call it a sport, but who cares, really? Who cares what I think? If you're unsubscribing to the podcast, I'm like, oh, no, 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 I agree with you, if you think it is. Listen, I love video games. I love Roger Ebert. When Roger Ebert was like, video games aren't art, I was like, okay, that's cool. I love Roger Ebert, and I love video games, and I really don't care what his viewpoint is regarding this. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wiping tears away, I'm like, oh, Roger Ebert. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? Who cares what this one do? And, and who cares if it's art or not? Like, that doesn't change the fact that I like playing Minecraft, whether or not it's artistic or anything like that. So the fact that I'm not a huge fan of the competitive video game, I, I think it's awesome, right? They're playing the games, but I've never understood this huge push to get it recognized as a real sport. They're like, dude, we're on ESPN. I was like, yeah, so is like Shuffleboard and stuff. But there was recently this post online by this guy known as Stop Lurkers. I say recently, this is actually about four months ago, he posted this thing, and really his thesis statement was, all professional first-person shooter gamers and streamers are cheating. They're, they're all cheating. And it's super fascinating because we have a whole thing of cheating going on right now in the media. We have a young woman who's being accused of cheating at poker. I'll put all these links in the show notes. We have those guys who recently got caught putting weight since they're like a competitive fish people. They're not like who can swim the farthest to Atlantis. They are catching fish. They're fishermen. That's the term. 
And they were way, I guess the way it works is you catch a bunch of fish and then you throw it in a milk crate and they weigh it. And whoever has the fattest fish wins. Well, these two knuckleheads were, these guys actually got caught. The young woman playing poker and the young man who, we did an episode on him where he supposedly had anal beads that were sending him very, very, very pleasurable coded messages to let him know how to play chess. The fish guys were caught uh, dead to rights. They actually is video of them slicing these guys' fish open and pulling out these huge lead weights. So we know for a fact they were cheating. And then just as I was getting ready to record this, just like a couple of minutes ago, I came across an article by... Oh, okay, to be fair, it isn't the Daily Star, which is a tabloid rag from Britain, but cheating scandal rocks Irish dancing. So apparently there's this big... Irish dancing competitions, still not a sport, still not a sport. You can call it a competition all you want. But anyways, they're saying, like, the people running the competition, I, I to be fair, <laughs> I skimmed this article, right? Like, this was literally minutes before I was going to start recording this. It turns out, possibly, allegedly, that this group, they were, the judges were banging the hot dancers, not the, not the ugly ones, not the ugly ones. They're like, uh, you're going to have to be based on merit alone. Let's see how good of a dancer you are. This is an allegation. So I'm not, I will put the episode, in the, I will put the article in the show notes, but I won't say the name of the competition. But anyways, you have it all over the place. Again, this is totally alleged and it's in the Daily Star. So it doesn't come of any shock, right? We have the fishing people and all this stuff, so it shouldn't come that there's any shock that they'd be doing this in competitive video gaming as well. And this guy, Stop Lurkers, he says, listen, he goes, he, he's he's obviously not going to out himself, but he said he is in the top 2,000, I've never been able to pronounce his game right, Valorant? Valorant or Valorant? It's one of the two. He's a top 2,000 player in this game, and he goes, I don't use hacks. I personally don't use hacks. But I understand how the hacks are being used at this level. And he actually is able to get... He basically does a, a one-man undercover investigation. He is able to get a hack for Valorant that... Even though they use this thing called Vanguard, right? That is supposedly supposed to detect cheats. He goes, I got an aimbot. And it's been completely undetectable. I've been using it for two weeks and no one's ever been able to prove that I've been using it. And it's interesting because he goes, these, at a professional level is what he's saying. He goes, when you're talking about competitive pros and when you're talking about people who are streaming and they're streaming, they're the best of the best, right? He goes, it's super easy for them to get these undetectable hacks. He goes, if I can do it and I'm only in the top 2000, then who's to say the top 100 players aren't doing it or even the top 10? Because you need to keep that rank. And he starts to say, he goes, listen, when you go to the competitive place, when you get into competitive gaming, they can check for hacks. But what you did, I didn't know any of this stuff. You can install the hacks, apparently, on your mouse dongle, on your little wireless mouse hub thing. You put your little USB and you're basically, you can have the hacks in that. So your computer will be clean. I know a bunch of people are like, no, that's not even how it works. But he's saying, like, there are way, there are, let's put it this way, there are workarounds. So you wouldn't, they wouldn't be detectable on the computer themselves. You would actually have them installed in the wireless mouse USB thingamajigger. And you could have that aimbot. 
And he goes, listen, because one person would do it, everyone would do it. He goes, these people are pulling off million-dollar moves all day long, and it just wouldn't work that way. And the common defense, right, when someone says something about a streamer or a competitive player that you love, you go, well, they're so good, they don't have to cheat. They wouldn't have to cheat because they work their way up, and I've watched them play for years and years and years, they wouldn't have to cheat. There's a really cool YouTube channel by this guy named Carl Jobst, and all, really all he does is expose cheaters. He also does some cool speedrun stuff where he analyzes speedruns, but he's been making kind of a career lately of exposing cheaters. And he did this big video about Dream, the Minecraft guy who got exposed for cheat, or, you know, he got alleged that he had cheated, and then it kind of turns out that he did. He kind of confessed to it. It took a while, but he kind of confessed to it. He said it was an accident. He accidentally cheated, but Carl Jobsko, the common defense is, this guy's so good he wouldn't have to cheat. He goes, no, that's not the way it works. He goes, you get so good, the pressure gets so much for you to be the best that you, you do cheat. Because you can't be the best and then have just like a run of bad luck. Or you're just having all these streams that are just not doing those million dollar plays. So the pressure, it's, it's more like, I'm putting words in, Carl Jobs didn't actually say this, but it's more likely you're, you'll cheat at a certain level. You may cheat in the beginning, and that's kind of the thing. They go, the people who just buy the hacks, the people who get these really low-budget hacks or these free hacks, they get caught right away. So you get a bunch of scrubs that get caught right away. Then you have the middle-of-the-pack players that are playing legit. But as you get better and better, and the competition gets higher and higher and higher, and you start to go, how did, how did he pull that shot off? How did he get that shot? Now, this point you're like a pro-am right you're pro-amateur i think that's actually a, a porn term i don't think pro-am is a real gaming term but anyways you get to the point where somebody can approach you and say hey i can get you the right hack." like that, that guy's hacking all the people you're playing against is running these super subtle aimbots and you know for five thousand dollars you can have access to that too very very fascinating expose and again it's one guy's investigation is it true? Is it sour grapes? We don't know. He, he hasn't identified himself. We just don't know. But it's interesting, and I don't want to spend this whole time just talking about the science of cheating, but I wanted to add this detail in as well before we go into the next part, where what is cheating? Is messing with the metaphysical order of things cheating? Which I think is very fascinating, but there's been a recent, again, this is not an allegation. This has been proven, and it hasn't fully hit the world of podcasting yet, it turns out there was a big expose. I'll put it in the show notes here. What it turns out is some of the biggest podcasts have been, this is this is cheating. This is full-on cheating. Some of the biggest podcasts out there, some of the big podcast networks have been taking episodes, and this is hundreds of thousands of downloads. Hundreds of thousands of episodes have been downloaded this way. What they're doing is they're Working with mobile gaming apps, those games on your phone that are th a thing like, hey, if you want to earn more diamonds or you want to earn more energy, watch this ad. What they've been doing, and this is more than just a few podcasts, this is going to really impact the whole industry. They've been embedding episodes into those mobile games. So you click on it and it'll play. 30 seconds of a podcast while you're waiting. You know, there's usually that time you have to watch so much of the ad before you get your reward. But what happens is the entire episode of the podcast gets downloaded, gets played out. Even if you only listen to the 30 seconds, then click X to get your rewards. They've been doing this hundreds of thousands of downloads at the very least 
to inflate their numbers for advertisers. And people are going, whoa, so you told us you were getting 10 million downloads on your podcast network, but how many of those were on the ad? How many of those were this gaming app thing? And the company so far had said, well, listen, we played the first 30 seconds. Maybe they, they sat and stopped playing their game and listened to the podcast for a full hour. We don't know. We don't know. They may have. That's cheating. That's totally cheating the system, right? You're giving them 30 seconds of an hour-long podcast you're counting it as a whole hour played, so you go to your advertisers and say, we get 10 million downloads a month spread across all these different podcasts. But they don't. That's cheating. And cheating, This the thing that always irritates people about cheating, whether you're a podcaster like myself, or a fisherman, or a video game, is that most people play by the rules. Because I, I, I would have never even thought about doing that. Even if I had the money and the access to that app, I never would have done anything like that. Because listen, I've had the opportunity... There's a lot of paranormal YouTubers specifically. I mean, all YouTubers have done this. I shouldn't say all, but a lot of YouTubers have done this. But there have, well, I should say, there have been allegations about paranormal YouTubers who buy subscribers and buy views on their episodes, on their YouTube episodes. Because I've come across that, just specifically in the paranormal YouTube world. And I have access to all this. I don't want to use that stuff. I don't want to use that stuff where you're basically inflating it to the point that then YouTube, the algorithm goes, oh... 10,000 people like this episode, and we're going to push it to another 30,000 people. I don't want to do that. right? I don't want to cheat like that. I don't want to buy plays on Spotify or plays on YouTube, even though, even though I know my competitors do. And I think most people who are playing video games, even if they know their competitors are using aimbots, they don't want to use aimbots. Obviously, the temptation's there. You know, we have pro football players who are tempted to cheat, and some fall prey to it, right? Some people actually fall prey to it. But what I find interesting is I can easily put myself in that ivory tower and say, I'm not going to buy views on YouTube, even though I have the cash to do it, and I have the access, I know the websites to go to, I know the people to contact, I don't want to do that. But yet, it's very interesting, because I was thinking about this, I would not stick lead weights in a fish... I would not stick anal beads up my butthole to win chess. I would not buy YouTube views or buy podcast subscribers, even though that would definitely help the channel. However, I've stated multiple times on this show that I use the law of attraction to boost my show. Right? I have spent decades researching... I don't talk a lot about magic on this show. I've made comments about, oh, you know, I used to kind of dabble in stuff in college and how I believe that magic is real and stuff like that. But I don't talk about it a lot on this podcast, right? Because it sound, to be honest, the reason why I don't is it sounds completely insane. Even the stuff that I talk about, even my personal experiences, if I'm like, and then with my wizard's hat that I named Esmeralda, I went on a whimsical event. I don't talk about it. <laughs> That's not true. I never had a wizard's hat named Esmeralda, but... There's a certain point where you go, okay, now you're saying something that's totally insane. That episode I did a long time ago about the angel visiting me on my birthday, that took a long time. That took a long time to tell on the podcast because this story is clearly insane. This story is the ramblings of a madman. And then the story about the time I went to hell. Right. <laughs> I mean, again, I think that was that was like six, seven hundred, eight, eight hundred episodes into the podcast, into this very personal relationship that I have. I'm 
telling you these stories. And even then, I was like, uh, probably, I don't know if I'm, I didn't know if I was ever going to tell that story, right? The Lost Summer. I've never told that story. Nobody I've ever, I've never told the Lost Summer story to anybody. I made a vague reference. I think it was at the end of the Angel episode. And for a while, people are emailing me going, hey, when are you going to tell the Lost Summer? I don't think I'll ever tell the Lost Summer story. It's just so weird. And it's funny. I feel like I'm building it up because it's when you step back, you're, it, it, it's one of those stories that doesn't have an ending. Right. There was no big climax in the end. It was just this period of time in my life that it was so weird and so on the edge of what is real and what isn't. That's not a story I feel super comfortable talking about. I've never told anyone about Lost Summer, the Lost Summer. I think when I first moved up to Oregon, I made one or two vague references to close friends of mine. And that was it. But I'm saying all that stuff because I studied magic and I looked into all of these like... Even, like, I, it's so funny because I think of the law of attraction as kind of separate from magic, but it's pretty much the same thing. Even when you're looking at low magic, which is witchcraft, versus high magic, which is ritual magic, right? There, I I didn't really, I, I wasn't really aware of the law of attraction in, in that state, right? Knowing the law of attraction, the secret, and stuff like that. It's basically the same thing. It basically is your intent on the universe. You're... you're Warping reality to your view of it. And so I've studied the law of attraction a lot recently, like in the past 10 years. And then before that, I was really looking into the mechanics of ritual magic and how low magic works and how all of this stuff does. And I, you know, had my adventures <laughs> with my hobbit and dwarf friends. We'll leave it at that. But I, is that cheating? Is that che- is that cheating for me? Is that like a metaphysical aimbot? Because basically, on the one hand, there's no well, I don't want to say there's no skill involved, but like, is it cheating? Because what happens is, yes, I am going up against people who buy YouTube views and YouTube subscribers, and I'm going up against people who are part of these podcast networks that are buying like that that are downloading episodes when no one's there to listen to them. Those are that's my competition, right? And I could go they're cheating. <laughs> and then I'm over here I'm reshaping reality. And at the end of the day, I'm not playing on a level playing field either, am I? If somebody started a podcast at the same time that I did. And a lot of them have shut down. It's funny. It's just kind of like a college class like the class of 2018, a lot of the podcasts that popped up around the same time mine has, they've shut down. Imagine if one of those other podcasts, because everyone's competing for listeners, right? Imagine if one of these other podcasts out there were both doing the not the exact same topic, but we're both putting out episodes on a regular basis. We're trying to put out quality episodes. We're getting the word out about our show. We're doing online marketing. And then I'm hovering three feet above my bed with a summoning orb. Like, am I playing by the rules? The whole idea of the law of attraction, of metaphysical magic manipulation, the three M's, is you're, you, you are not playing by the rules. You're actually reshaping the rules. You're making the rules fit you. So is that cheating? Am I cheating by using those tools 
that I've accessed. And I think the answer to that, because it's me, I don't want to think I'm a cheater. I could say I'm not, but I think anyone else who had like a understanding of the law of attraction and stuff like that, they may go, well, maybe, right? Maybe. You might be cheating. And then I blink them out of existence. It's like, you don't exist anymore. You don't exist in my reality. They're fading away. I don't know, like, where does the line draw? Because that's those are skills and knowledge that I've learned. I would compare it to someone who's just gotten really, really good at video games. But to somebody else, they go, no, no, what you're doing is actually, like, you're breaking, you're breaking the laws of reality, dude. That other guy's just downloaded a program that makes his mouse, his little reticle, move quicker on the screen. You're shifting reality. I think there's I think there's a clear difference. I find it fascinating. There is a big debate. I don't even think it's a debate. I don't think I've ever met anyone who disagrees with the statement, but in the magic community, in the community of magic users, there it's pretty much solid agreement. Using love spells on people is akin to raping them. Because they you are casting a spell on them for them to fall in love with you. And if you have sex with them, you've raped them. I've never met anyone who goes, well, you know, it depends. <laughs> because it doesn't. You're you're putting, you're, you're shifting things within their psyche, within the environment around them. You're actually warping reality. And you're creating this scenario and you're changing the way that their brain thinks. You're putting a spell on them. That if you have sex with them, it's rape. So if if that is true, then if I'm using... I don't use magic to promote the podcast. Just, just so we're totally clear. I'm not casting spells to... I realize that I probably have to clear that up. I'm not casting spells to promote the podcast. That's not true. But I do use the law of attraction. I've been very clear on that. I use the law of attraction on this podcast. right? I, I try to create these pathways where people can discover it. I don't make people like it. I mean, if you're like, I was wondering why, I was wondering why I still listen to this podcast, even though I hate it. I just try to create a reality where people can access it. Or people stumble across it. People put in a Google search and one of my episodes comes up. Or one of you guys, one of my zombies, one of my mind-controlled zombies. No, I'm just joking. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, they, the show gets recommended to them. Like, I try to create this reality in my mind. Like, I visualize people going, man, I sure am bored. I wonder if... I sure am bored. I wonder if there's a daily paranormal podcast I can listen to. And they say it out loud in the library, and someone turns around and goes, well, shucks, I know the perfect show. Dead Rabbit Radio, the daily paranormal podcast. It's like, you know, law of attraction, right? You have to visualize these things happening. I feel like it's worked, right? I This show is really big and i appreciate you guys like despite despite my sorcery on the other end it's i don't it still requires people to go oh, i like this show and to tune in like i'm not let's be clear before in this segment i'm not using magic to promote the show and i'm not mind control i'm not mind controlling you i can promise you that but the idea going back like by using the law of attraction am i cheating is that any different than buying views on YouTube. I personally think it is, but I could understand why someone who doesn't, who believes in the law of attraction, but doesn't know how to put it, to implement it, I could totally see them being like, you definitely have a leg up 
You definitely have a leg up. <laughs> Considering I hover three feet above my bed as I'm visualizing the success of this podcast, I have both legs up. But no, it's an interesting topic. And this cheating stuff, I think we're almost going to see a huge reckoning because we're just getting these cheating articles over and over and over again, which is good. I like to see cheaters exposed. But <laughs> if using magic is cheating, then I don't know, maybe don't expose me. Maybe just kind of like... Uh, Move on to the next guy. Move on to the guys who are paying for views. Why are you thinking on me? I'm just the gentle wizard. Amber, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter Weir. Leave behind this video game conference. Fly us all the way out to Dire Lane. It's funny, you might have noticed this episode's kind of slapped. <laughs> this episode's kind of put together pretty quickly. I actually love both of these stories, but my original episode I was going to do just had so many dead kids. And I didn't plan it that way. I didn't set out to have a bunch of dead children in one episode, but it happens, right? I had a story about a father holding his bleeding daughter in the middle of winter. Terrible story. I mean, it was actually a cool story, but it's a terrible event. Then I had a story about an entire school just exploding one day. It just blew up. <laughs> and it's an interesting story. It's true. It's tragic. And I remember I was getting ready to record it, and I go, bro, it's Friday. <laughs> this is Friday's episode. No one's going to have another episode until Monday. I usually try to put, if you guys haven't figured out, I usually try to put my true crime in the middle of the week. So I don't totally bum you out. I mean, I do talk about ghosts all the time and people have to die to be a ghost. But I was like, that's too many dead kids for one day. Even an ancient sorcerer, as myself, knows that it's too many dead kids for one day. So I decided, you know what? Let's go back to Dyer Lane. Let's go back to the place. I, I don't want to say that where it all started, but I've definitely done on-the-ground ghost investigations at Dyer Lane. Dyer Lane, I'll put the other episodes in the show notes, but Dyer Lane is a road in Alberta, which is in like an unincorporated part of Sacramento. It's over by Watt Avenue in the area of Antelope. You're shaking your head. You're like, Jason, I, I, I don't know where it's at. I live in the middle of India. Even if you gave me directions, I couldn't find it. Well, I'll put, I'll put show notes in. You can look it up on Google Earth. I won't give you specific street directions. But it is this road. It's so interesting because it's a road in the middle of nowhere, but it's connected to one of the busiest roads in Sacramento. The second you turn left onto Dyer Lane off of Watt Avenue, I, I could be getting a, a little goofy right here, but it's like you're all of a sudden driving through the middle of Idaho. And it's spooky house after spooky house and long stretches of open field. This is the place where I found a pair of burnt pants and my friends thought I, I got possessed by the by a murder victim. I'll put that episode in the show notes. A lot of fun, a lot of fun memories at Dyer Lane. And I've always been fascinated because back when I was out doing ghost hunts in this area, the internet was around, but it was nowhere near what it is today. Like I was doing this stuff back in like in 98, 99. Right, maybe to the early 2000s. So, I mean, like, the internet was there. We could go and we could download photos of Sarah Michelle Geller, and you'd actually watch each line go... Not to print them out, not to print them out, just to download them. It took a while. So this whole idea of people putting, like, spooky stories online or people, like, cataloging ghost investigations, that didn't exist back then. But now I can actually look and go, wow, Dyer Lane had a huge reputation in the area... 
And uh, to this day, people are still investigating it. People are still going out there. And let's take a look at this story right here. This is one that I hadn't heard until fairly recently. This is the story of the witches of Dyer Lane. Sometimes it's referred to as Dyer's Lane. That's what we always called it. But let's go back to the year 1932. I actually was about to do a pretend witch incantation, but I forgot I'm in a haunted closet, and I'd probably rather not summon some dark beast behind me. It's 1932. We're in Alberta. There's a coven of witches that start meeting out there. And trust me, if you want to have a coven of anything, this is the best place to have it. When I was hanging out, the reputation was it was where all the clans hung out. Like, not the Scottish dudes, the Ku Klux Klan went there to hang out. And, I mean, it is a place... I'm not, I'm not recommending TripAdvisor for the KKK to show up out there, but if you were going to have a covert meeting of anybody, you could do it out here because it's like easy road access and then you're gone. Like, you could totally disappear back there. So a coven of witches meeting back there in 1932, I could totally see that happening. There were six of them, and they would meet here on a regular basis, and they were doing this for about two years, so this had become a home to them. Not like there was like a little witch's hut with like you know thatched roofs and stuff like that. They probably lived in regular houses, but then they came out here to practice their skills, to work on their Wiccan workshop magic. But by the year 1934... Rumors had started to spread about what was going on out here. And a group of boys decided to follow them out to Dyer Lane. Because not only would it be the perfect place to do what you wanted without anyone seeing you, like a group of witches, it would also be the perfect place to go out there and do what you wanted to without anyone seeing you like a group of criminals. So these four boys, they go out there and they attack the witches. Now, not as exciting as that sentence was. There was no wand magic. They didn't get on their brooms and fly away. Unfortunately, when true crime and the paranormal collide, true crime tends to win, right? That's just no matter what we think of the world, of the metaphysical, magical world around us, when four boys track these women down, they assault the women. They assault two of the women. They drag them to the ground. The other four take off running because they know that there's an immediate threat of what's going on in this area. What happens is the four witches, they actually leave the scene. The two witches left behind are both murdered by this group of guys. One is strangled. And the other one is able to get up and starts running away, running for her life at this point, because she just saw one of her friends get killed in front of her. And one of these dudes picks up a rock and throws it, hits her in the back of the head, and kills her as well. And then a chain of events happens where you would think that maybe there was some level of magic, or at least what we would think of as a curse, laid on these young men. Now, again, we don't have the ages for these guys. When I keep saying boys, it's not like they're... 10 years old. We're assuming like late teens, early 20s and things like that. But anyways, one of them is hit by a truck. About three weeks later, he's ran over. Four months later, another guy's visiting L.A. He gets mugged. <laughs> curse that's just visiting L.A. He's down in Los Angeles. He gets mugged, stabbed in the stomach and bleeds to death in the middle of the street. 
At a later date, one of the other young men was swimming in the Sacramento River. He drowned. And then finally, I mean, like, if you had to pick your choice out of these four, hit by a truck, stabbed to death, bleeding out in the middle of L.A., uh, drowning in the river, or this fourth one, he was kind of enjoyable. He was skiing. That's kind of fun. He was skiing down a hill, and he slammed into a tree and bashed his head open. But, I mean, if you're going to go out, go out fast, go out hard, right? That's what I always say. Don't just flail in the water if you find yourself about to drown. Look for a waterfall to go off of. So these four young men are dead. So you would think, okay, two witches murdered, four men killed by spirits from beyond in revenge. You figure, you know, the ledger is, while not completely balanced out because these guys were perpetrators and the victims were victims, you know, they didn't ask for any of this. You think everything would kind of settle down, but in 1946, we're back on Dyer Lane. Out in Dyer Lane in 1946, there was a farmer known as John Wilkins, and he was out farming his land, driving his tractor. <laughs> he was making those noises the tractor was perfectly shut off. He just liked to sit in his tractor and go... <laughs> he sees, out in the middle of field, two sexy ghosts. Sees these two women just kind of going, Come here, Johnny boy. Come here. Look at us. Look how sexy and translucent we are. Ooh. He jumps off his tractor. He starts walking over to them, and he's like staring at these two seductive women, and the tractor mysteriously starts by itself and runs him over, crushes him, kills him on the spot. What's interesting about that story is... I mean, the whole thing's interesting, right? We have killer witches and stuff like that. What's interesting about that story is how... What were the witnesses to that event? I mean, we have one witness, but he got killed by a tractor. Like, how did they know he saw sexy ghosts? If I got right... Let's put me in this scenario. If I was sitting on a tractor and I saw some sexy ghosts, yes, I would get off the tractor and I would walk towards the ghost. That's true. But... If the tractor then came to life, it didn't come to life, it just started up and ran me over, and then my son came up and go, Pa, Pa, what happened? My last words aren't going to be, Well, son, I saw some sexy ghosts, and I had to get in front of this tractor. You know what I mean? Like, how would they know that part of How would anyone know that part of the story? Obviously, there would have been... No witness would have been able to, to see that. At the very least, they'd see a guy get off a tractor, walk in front of it, and then the tractor malfunctioned and run him over. How would they know he saw sexy ghosts? Well, there's pretty much only one way you could know that. And that would be if you contacted his spirit using a Ouija board or a spirit box or a medium or something like that. And that is where we're going to end this episode and take a look at a group called Halo Paranormal Investigations. This is a group that, listen, man... I love local paranormal groups, right? It's dope. I mean, these guys are really, just really cool. And it's so funny. Here's an update on a couple episodes last week, and I think even one this week, I was talking about a group called Anam Paranormal that seemed to go defunct. And I said, you know, it sucks because a lot of times these paranormal groups do a bunch of investigations and then they break up or they can't pay their hosting fees and their website goes down and everything like that. I ended up contacting the head of Anam Paranormal to ask what was going on. And sure enough, they couldn't pay their hosting fees. Their website went down. Well, it's back up. They were able to get a couple bucks scrounged together and get their website back up. And so that's cool. Um, I'll put another link in the show notes to their website. But again, it's just like local 
on the ground ghost investigations. Right? I used to do that stuff. It's a lot of fun. And here we have this group called Halo Paranormal Investigations. And they're the ones who are reporting this whole story about the witches of Dyer Lane. And it's so funny because the guy who set it up is a guy named Paul Dale Roberts, who proclaims himself as the Disco King of Sacramento. And I almost feel like it's a whole, it's a whole other episode to go into this guy's life story. He went from being, according to him, right? He went from training members of Delta Force. Okay, like, he went from that. Then he ended up infiltrating an underground drug ring in Germany. And to completely be undercover, he had to learn disco. To, eventually, in 1979, he became the Disco King of Sacramento. I didn't know there was such a title. I mean, I guess it's self-proclaimed. But I, I was looking into that, and I go, oh, okay. What is so funny, I didn't know what was more unbelievable. The fact that he trained the 101st Airborne, 82nd Airborne, and the Army Special Forces, or that he was the Disco King. Apparently, he... And I did I did fact-check this. I couldn't fact-check whether or not Sexy Witches killed this man. But he's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest disco dancing. 205 hours straight. I don't, know. I don't know. Fascinating character. We might look more into him because his life story just seems completely bizarre. But the reason why I wanted to talk about the Witches of Dire Lane is for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't want to talk about dead kids. I mean, I just talk about a couple of murdered women. It's not like that's much better. But I didn't want to talk about a bunch of kids. That, that'll be next week. It's not like I'm never going to do that episode. I just didn't want to do it on a Friday. It'll pop up on Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. It's coming. But I also, when I was reading about this group, I thought, you know what? It's Halloween. And I know that a lot of you guys, because I get your guys' emails, right? I get your guys' emails. I talk to you guys on the Discord. I talk to you guys through the YouTube comments when those were still around. I know a lot of you guys, sometimes you get lonely. Sometimes I get lonely. Right. Sometimes I get lonely, sometimes you get lonely because I get these emails. My heart, you know, obviously feels for you because I, I know that feeling. I want to propose something. I know we're in the middle of the 90 Days to a Better You Challenge, and I hope that's going great for you. It's going great for me. I'll give you an update on that. But Why don't you start a local ghost hunting group? I'm telling you, I've talked about this so many times on this show, guys, and I'm telling you, it won't backfire. I can say at least that. I know that sometimes things can seem that you are alone, right? That you don't have a lot of friends out there or you have friends, but everyone's just too busy to get together and all this stuff. Why don't you start a local ghost hunting group? Put an ad out on like Craigslist or put a couple flyers up. Listen, you will have a blast. I really think you would have so much fun if you started a local ghost hunting group. Not that I would have a bunch of more stuff to talk about on this podcast. I have no ulterior motive, but I always think... Because a lot of these ghost hunting groups, like an Am Paranormal and Halo Paranormal Investigations, they're always posting these photos of them. It's an outdoorsy thing, right? You go outside, there's a couple people. A lot of these groups aren't organic. They're not an existing group of friends who start doing this. They meet each other. And they become friends. 
So if you're not currently doing the 90 Days to a Better You Challenge, if you're currently not really doing much, and and you regret that, like, I enjoy not doing anything. This podcast takes up the bulk of my time. I get one night off a week where I don't have to do anything. I don't read anything at all. I get one night off a week. But if you want to do something, if you're looking for something to do, if you feel like, you know what, I'm just... I'm bored and I'm lonely. I'm telling you guys, start a paranormal group. It will be so much fun. You'll meet like-minded people. You'll go on adventures. You might get killed by a bunch of witches, right? You might be, let's be honest. You might get killed by a bunch of witches. You might go into a haunted house and a demon rips your guts out. That might be happening. But I think you'd have so much fun. I know I had a lot of fun doing ghost hunting when I was younger. Just think about it. That's really... I wanted to talk about this story one because I thought it was kind of creepy. It's a location that I'm personally familiar with. We have these witches that may still be out there, right? So if you're currently driving a tractor, listen to this podcast. Be careful. But also I wanted to do... I, I, I just think that'd be so cool. I really do. I was thinking about that today when I was like, what can I do, what can I do instead of dead kids? And I go, that... I, I would... I mean, think about it. What happens with this podcast, where this podcast goes, who knows? But if I could give birth to a hundred ghost hunting organizations around the world, and maybe they're only around for a couple months, maybe they're around for a couple years, that would be awesome. What a great legacy that would be. And I think it would be a lot of fun for you guys as well. Just print up a flyer. See where that adventure takes you. At the very least, you know, maybe you sit around with your buddies, your new buddies, right? These people you met with this like-minded interest and sit around at a pub or something like that and talk about spooky stories. Talk about stuff. But at the most, you guys may go on a ghost hunting adventure, driving around your area, breaking in haunted houses, breaking in haunted houses, climbing over cemetery fences, being chased by security. <laughs> maybe not that far, maybe not that far in your first adventure, but think about it. Really think about it. When I was thinking about what to do for this show, I go, I would like to have my Friday episode be encouraging. Not a, <laughs> not a dead child in sight. I want it to be encouraging. Really think about starting your own paranormal group in your area. Sure, you may not be the self-proclaimed disco king of Sacramento, but <laughs> I have to follow up. That's a pretty good title, right? That's a better title than I am. I just think it'd be fun. I think it'd be fun, and maybe, you, maybe you'll think about it. You don't have to start it tomorrow, but during the spookiest month of the year, think about it. Think about starting a paranormal group. It would make me super proud if, like, a year or two from now, I start getting emails from these little groups all over the world saying, hey, you really inspired me. <laughs> that story you did about those women who were assaulted in the middle of the woods by four dudes really inspired me to become a ghost hunter. I think that would be awesome. That would really, really make all of this worth it. They really would. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend.